Welcome to the Inspiration Accelerator, hosted by Michael Sonberg, founder and CEO of Rebel Culture and Skyrocket Education. Each week, we'll talk to a different, inspiring person in the world of leadership, personal development, career, family, fitness, and beyond. Buckle up for the Inspiration Accelerator. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. I am joined this week by a true, like, giant of a human, even though we've met in person. And she's not gigantic. She's regular size. But her name is Christine Astorita. She is the founder and uh, owner of Breakthrough Intensive PT. She's an endurance athlete. She is an author. She is an adventurer. And she just did something last month that uh she trained for for like nine months right was it nine months it was nine yeah, months nine months that she is going to tell us about in a moment that when you hear this uh i'm pretty sure your mind is going to be blown christine welcome to the show thanks so much for being here thank you so much for having me i'm so excited awesome awesome well Start us off. I want to talk about this uh, this event that you, uh, I don't even want to call it an event. It's like a, I don't know, it was like a life-changing adventure. But talk to us about what you did a month ago and why you did it and what it was like, please. Sure, yeah. So September 9th and 10th, just a month ago, I completed a 100-mile journey. It was called The Run to Breakthrough. Um, and we, I'm located here on Long Island. So I ran across Long Island from the Montauk Lighthouse all the way to my office, um, which is called Breakthrough, um, hence yeah. the run to Breakthrough. Yeah. Um, and so break, just as a little bit of a background, which I feel like is relevant, Breakthrough is a physical therapy clinic that I own and we do intensive PT for kids and adults with disabilities. Yeah. And so we are really family, whole family centered, and um, we're located in Islandia, New York. So um, all of these kids are told that, and families are told that they're never going to be able to do things by doctors and limiting beliefs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your child's never going to be able to walk. They're never going to be able to talk. Um and so I took kind of took that inspiration and turned it into my own challenge, endurance challenge, um, and created this event um, and to also give our families an opportunity to be part of something bigger. And so along that 100 mile journey, I pushed our clients in an adaptive stroller um, and some kids joined us by adaptive trike, some joined by foot. Um, and all of our families joined along that 100 mile journey while we fundraise for a local nonprofit that helps the community out. Wow. All right. So let's just get clear on this because uh, th this, this kind of stuff absolutely blows my mind. So first of all, let's start before we get to the event, you've committed your life to, to supporting people and to helping people who are uh, people, folks who have disabilities, folks who are medically fragile. And as you said, people who've been told and families who've been told your child will never do X or Y or Z. What, what, where's that, where does that come from? Why do you do that? And what's the, and I don't mean that like, why do you do that in like a bad way? I think it's awesome. <laughs> and I'm totally yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what, what does that come from? Uh, how did you get started? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I've always had a passion for helping others. Obviously, why I went into the PT, you go into healthcare because you want to help others. And I did a rotation with pediatrics and these kids just lit up my life. And I knew that I wanted to do that forever. Um, And I always wanted to open my own clinic and, you know, steps and journey along the journey. Here we are at Breakthrough. Um, But I think that my heart just feels pulled to show up for them because they're so underserved. You know, they're, they don't have, they're not given resources and support. And it's things that I've learned along my journey of working in the field that you just see how they're left on their own a lot of the time to figure things out, to figure yeah. out services, to find resources, to find the best doctors, to figure out diagnoses, to get medical equipment. Um, and our healthcare system, to be pretty blunt, is is failing these families. Yeah. And I really wanted to create a space that they feel supported and we can create a community around it. Um you know, throughout my journey, I was a home care therapist and I was constantly in awe of how much of there was a lack of resources and um, community around these families. And so I just started saying, well, I don't know the answer to that, but I know another mom that does. So let me connect you to and, you know, et cetera. And it kind of tumbled into this really beautiful journey of trying to create a community and whole family support center, which kind of turned into breakthrough. But I think it just stems from recognizing how the current society and systems are failing this community in particular, and really feeling like an advocate and wanting to show up for them in a much bigger way. It's such a it's such a, a powerful point, and uh, you know, my wife will often say, "We you know we have a, we have a son with autism." I've talked about Teddy on the show many times. He turned eight yesterday, which was really mm-hmm. uh, which was really cool. Um, but she'll often say like the hardest part of uh, raising a child with special needs is the paperwork and all of the, the red tape. And I can't tell you how many times we've had a, a therapist who's come to the house, but then they switch the insurance that they take. And so we can no longer have, and like, it's been a, it's been in a lot of ways, a revolving door uh, mm-hmm. to, to get him the support that he needs and and thankfully we're you know my my I have a degree in special education I was a special education teacher my wife is uh, has a degree in psychology she's certified in ABA we're we're ahead of the the curve here mm-hmm. and it's still a real challenge and I feel like and I'd love your thoughts on this as as inclusive as our our world is becoming there's still just so many places where for kids who have really severe disabilities, it's just that it's just not set up for them. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? Is, is there like, I mean, uh, you know, like whether it's a restaurant or, or a doctor's office, maybe doctor's office is a bad example, but like, like, do you feel like the world's just not set up for, for, for folks who learn differently and who have different needs? I mean, a hundred percent. And it's so crazy that you asked me that now, because I recently just surveyed and asked some of my families, um, because my second children's book that I'm writing is going to expose a lot of inaccessibility within our society and community. So I asked them to share some of their stories with me. And it's not just, um, you know, it's the physical barriers, right? So it's the 
lack of like public transport or the elevators not working. So these stories of our of our families having to carry their child's chair, wheelchair up the steps of Penn Station or, mm. or finding strangers to help, right? Mm. It's also the things that are not recognized of you don't a lot of I think half of it is like you don't recognize the need unless you're in the world of it. That's right. That's right. And but it doesn't mean that we should still be this far behind. And yeah. things like um, changing tables in public spaces for our clients. You know, we have clients that have medical, they're medically fragile. They have disabilities. They're not going to be potty trained, you know? So, um, you know, they've had to change their child in the back of their car or uh, try to find or had to put them on a floor and lay a blanket down. And yeah. it's like almost dehumanizing yeah. that there's not an adult changing table in a public in a public space um so not only just the physical barrier but then you know you hear stories of the emotional barriers of of um you know people shying away from talking about it which i think is the biggest problem yeah it's and it starts with the adults right that can teach the kids about it um for example you know you hear stories of our families out in the community, out in a grocery store, and they might get stared at, or they might, or their child is making a loud noise. So, you know, the other people are staring. Um, And the the adults will say, oh, don't stare, come this way. Instead of utilizing it as an opportunity to connect, why don't we go ask a question and see if they need help? Or see if maybe they're just really excited and that's why they're yeah. making noise or asking, yeah. you know, what they like to do for fun or, or things like that, you know, and it's almost like it's not taken from a curiosity standpoint. It's taken from a shy away from it. And then what is it teaching that kid? It's teaching them, oh, shy away from those people who are different from me. That's right. Um, so that, that that's right. And and I found I, lo- I love I love uh, I love your points there. I found that uh, just from my personal journey, that so much of it is around like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what that person wants or needs. So I'm going to avoid, I, I, I think I've shared this story on the podcast before, but we were at a friend's house for a party and uh, we walk in the backyard and the host of the party, great people like amazing, like loving people. They said to my oldest who who doesn't have a disability, hey, would you like some pizza? Uh, And he said, yes. And then they said to my youngest who doesn't have a disability, hey, would you like some pizza? And she said, yes, absolutely. And they just looked at Teddy and they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. And so they didn't ask him. And is it because they're jerks? Of course not. They just didn't know what, they didn't know like what's appropriate here and what should I say? And like, so I wound up saying, hey, Teddy, and one of the things we do with Teddy is because he can say, he can say, you know, quite, quite a bit though. He he doesn't, you know, mostly just want one word or, or a handful of words, but I say, hey, Teddy, would you like some pizza or all done? And that's the way we do it. And he said, pizza. And so now that the person, the host of the party was, was, oh my gosh, here you go, Teddy. And giving him, you know, slice after slice, but they just didn't know what to say. And I, I there's like this like discomfort around this mm-hmm. um, because like, am I going to look foolish? Am I going to make them feel bad? Am I going to embarrass, like, am I going to embarrass everybody here? So let me just avoid this. Have you seen that play out in your work as well? 
Oh, totally. I mean, we hear stories all the time and and it's unfortunate. I think it it really is a lack of awareness around it, a lack of understanding around it and people's inability to recognize um, you know, they're just humans, you know, yeah, they're yeah. other humans and it doesn't you'll hear stories too of, you know, some of our adults that are talked to as if they're a child, right? And it yeah. it really is just about learning how to communicate better, connect with another human better. Um, and if we approach it from a curiosity standpoint, you can't be wrong. You know, you, you can't like, maybe you as, as Teddy's dad wouldn't have gotten mad if they were like, you know what, how, how do you usually like ask him what he wants versus just totally avoiding it? You know, we That's can right. approach it from like a, let me use this as a learning experience versus let me yeah. just really avoid it. So it doesn't make me feel bad. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's, it's such a great point. I, I remember when uh, Teddy, you know, as I said, he turned eight yesterday, he was diagnosed when he was two and a half. And I, I remember, um, you know, my wife at the time, and it was, it was a new, a new, uh, it was a brand new thing for us, despite both, you know, our collective backgrounds, but um, she was very much like, I don't want to talk about autism all the time. I don't want this to define us um, where we, you know, we, we don't even have to tell people type thing. I, you know, now it's in, in hindsight, it's very funny because, you know, there's no way you, you would meet my son and not know right away um, what what not not physically. But once he, you know, he starts um, he starts, uh, you know, spinning or jumping or scratching or biting or just, you know, uh, whatever he does. But she's really, you know, talk about a, a 180. She like her whole mission in life is the thing that you're talking about, which is to to normalize things that you know, like uh, that, 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 you know, his behavior is not, not solely for him, but for, for all kids with disabilities that like, Hey, like, yeah, he's screaming because he's excited. Um, and like, it's not nothing for you to be afraid of. And um, like, he's jumping right now because he's like, really, he's really happy. And like, you know, or like he's, he's crying right now, you know, the same way you're able to like tell people when you're upset, he's not able to do that. So, so he's crying right now. And that's like, totally fine. It's just like when you get upset about something you're able and you're able to say, you know, and tell somebody and even, you know, yesterday at, at his party, when we were singing, Happy birthday, Tim. Um, I should probably put the video on, on social. It's just so special. But while we're singing happy birthday to him, he's flapping uh, so hard because he is he's so excited. And what I've seen my wife do, and, and she's done it on, on the on the micro level, and she's she's working to do it on the on the macro, um, not, not unlike yourself, is to like she, like the people in our lives are they just get it. And you know, our kids, our kids, friends will, will introduce him to like a new group of friends and say something like, this is Teddy, like he doesn't talk a lot. He has autism, but he's, he's an awesome kid. And like, you know, and to, meanwhile, while they're doing that, Teddy's like pulling away from them or running in a different direction. So right. it's, it's hilarious. It's beautiful. It's awesome. But, you know, she, she's really on this mission to, to, to change the way people think about these things, you know, and it sounds like like you are you are as well because you're working with you know actual clients, but you want to you want to change the way people think about about people with with disabilities. I mean, is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, 100%. And it goes into back into that, what I was saying, my heart just feels pulled to show yeah. up to them. And whether that's through the services and other workshops and other things that Breakthrough provides specifically, but it's on a much larger scale of really, and like I said, you don't, people don't get it unless you're in it. Well, then yeah. how do we how do we help? We bring people in to show, to show them and, and more people will recognize these, these barriers for them. And hopefully we'll be able to make societal change, you know, and perspective shifts. And it's not, and obviously that's huge scale, right. But um, it starts in smaller communities and then you just can continue to make that wave grow. Right. And and it's so true. Um, I'm very pulled to show up as, an advocate for this community in a lot of ways. We, um, Teddy's in a, a special needs baseball league and and at the end of the season, they, um, well, they, they did this last year, this year, I don't think it's happening, but they uh, rent out uh, an Applebee's uh, here in New York. And, uh, and we're the only ones who are, who are there. It's for, it's, it's, it's a breakfast and all of the all of the the older the the older kids in the league who are you know 16 18 20 sometimes older are our our wait staff and they and there's only a handful of things in the menu so you can get pancakes or eggs really but they come out and they they bring the orders and um just last year when we when we went this this isn't new for me because we've been in this community for a while but you park next to a van and it's, there's a sign on it that says, and I'm sure you're incredibly familiar with this, like, please don't park within like nine feet of this vehicle, nine feet, uh, because they've got to open a door. And then there's the, the, then there's a lift that, you know, and, and a wheelchair and, you know, for folks out there and, and, and to your point, Christine, if it's not your experience, it's not your experience. And I don't begrudge somebody that um, by any means, but like, wow, like nine feet, like I need like just something like that. Like I, every time I park my car, I need nine feet of space to get my child out of this vehicle. And it's right. something that the, 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 for the average person, particularly, you know, folks, and it's a, this is probably small of me, but it's, it's a, it's a pet peeve of mine when people like complain about like, Oh, my kid, blah, blah. And they've got birthdays all weekend, blah, blah, and this and that. And like, I'm always running to sports, like be grateful, be grateful. Yeah. And I'm not ungrateful. And I know that right. the families that I know are not ungrateful. But like if, if everything, if you had to think about everything to that level of specificity, it's a different way to way to live and, and raise kids. It really is. Yeah, totally. And and it's just like I said, it's not recognized, you know, like the, what you said, the nine feet thing. Right. Yeah. You know, how many yeah. people park in those that space that's blocked yeah. off for that nine feet, yeah. you know, yeah. and are not aware of how it's actually impacting somebody, you know, you have legs that can get up and move, but people need their wheels and that's their legs. So give them that space, you know? So, so talk to us about, so you talked about this a hundred mile journey, but you ran, am I, is this accurate? You ran 100 miles. You ran through the entire night through torrential rain and you were pushing kids in in wheelchairs. Is this, talk to us about this talk to us about that journey yeah yeah you know you you set out to do something as big as 100 miles right and you know nothing's going to go according to plan right you know like I know nothing's like not everything can be perfectly lined up right yeah um we just so happened to be in a heat wave that weekend yeah Um, I remember it I I remember that weekend we don't live too far from each other it was brutally hot 
the hu- and it, you know it wasn't even like I'm okay in heat but the humidity right was, so like you, so you couldn't thick, yeah. stay hydrated you I just oh. couldn't stay hydrated so you know I started at the lighthouse I'm super pumped you know and and for folks who don't know just to interrupt you for a second the the Montauk lighthouse is the easternmost point of Long Island it's one of the easternmost points in the United States it's all the way at the very very tip it's actually called it's referred to as the end because it is at the end of uh, of Long Island so it's as far out as you can go it's right there on the on the water it's beautiful so you start there and in in incredible heat and humidity and, and tell us about what happens next. Yeah. So I was, so what happened was I, I mapped out this whole route. So we had family right. scheduled to meet us along the route at certain miles. Um, so um, the first couple miles, it was just me and there's, there was cloud coverage in the morning, but of course, as soon as I started, it was like <laughs> sunshine, which I love sunshine, but in yeah, that 95% yeah. humidity, I'm like, I could deal without the sunshine right now. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, so I started and I rapidly started losing like my water, you know, and oh, I couldn't right. keep up with it. My heart rate started going insanely high. It was at like 185. And for endurance runners, that's extremely high. I'm at max. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so very early on mile seven was the first time I was like, I stopped my crew car early. We were escorted by the the sheriff department for safety for these kids, which was wonderful. Wow. Uh, but I stopped all the cars and I was like, I just need to start thinking about the next 93 miles of this oh, run. Wow. Right? Wow. Um, so early on, I started struggling with the heat and I knew that it was going to be challenging, but you know, you just keep going, right? Because the whole message of this run is the resilience that our families teach us every single day. So, you know, I'm, I start, I meet my first kid. I push him down Montauk highway, which is incredible. He loved it. It gives you like a new burst of energy because you're just, I'm with my favorite people ever, and you're giving. I was going to ask that if if every time you you picked up a new a new uh, child that if, if it like totally reinvigorated you and it it like it brought your like adrenaline up and excitement up was that that it sounds like that's the case. Yeah, on day one it was the case. Okay, I'll okay. get to day two. <laughs> um, I still love these families so much, <laughs> but um, you know, it was a it was a huge challenge. So I picked up my first kid. Um, he had such a blast. You know, we joked the whole time, and then ran a little bit more. Picked up my next. We had a family that traveled all the way from Puerto Rico. One of our clients' families. Oh, and wow, wow. So it was special to have them there. Uh, pushed that pushed her for a bit but it was mile 16 and I started going downhill really fast in terms of my I couldn't regulate my heart rate I stopped sweating I was shivering and it's 95 percent humidity 90 degrees like that something's going wrong right um so we had to take a little bit longer of a break, reset. I had to walk more than I really wanted to, to try to get that heart rate down. Yeah. So already in the very beginning, I was really facing some challenges there, but you go into it, you know, you know, you're going to face challenges, you know? I mean, but, but at this point, are you thinking at six mile 16 that like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to quit. Or is that not even, have you taken, taken quitting entirely off the table? Yeah, no, it's like, I will crawl if it that's what it takes. Wow, you know, wow. it was never a thought that I'm going to quit. It was a, a matter of trying to remain smart and listen to my body. 
So it was frustrating for me at that point. Cause I was like my body, I was trained so well. I wanted to run. My body felt yeah. like I could run, yeah. but my cardiovascular system was like, you're not running right now, you know? So that was, that was a little bit frustrating, but I was very aware of it. So I just had to be in tune to my body, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we did it straight through. So then I was running through the night. Um, thankfully still escorted for safety. I was going to say, so you had, so you had basically a car just like slowly driving behind you for to, through the entire night. Yes. We had the sheriff's department doing that. And then my wonderful father, who's so supportive <laughs> and I'm so grateful to, and my uncle, they literally crewed. So they had all my fuel, my fluids and all that other good stuff. And they oh, wow. through the night too. Um, but at one point, you know, I was alone for a little bit, which was like, a good space to be in if you really want to find out who you are right uh, in the middle of the night yeah it was it was probably between the hours of like 11 p.m to like 1 30 ish I was alone wow wow and at that point you've been running for you know 11 12 hours you're exhausted and I was in heat exhaustion you know heat exhaustion yeah so my body was just a level of fatigue I've never really experienced before. By the grace of God, we had two uh, local ultra runners that joined me in the overnight. So they came and thank God they did because I literally fell asleep while I was walking. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but it, it happened. I've and never heard of that. That's crazy. In motion, I started to, I guess, drift off and they were like, they jumped into action I took a 15 minute nap in the back of the sheriff car <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I'm like shivering, but I'm like, okay, I got to keep going, you know, and you just, you just get back on your feet. Um, but through that, so you don't sleep. So is that, is that 15 minutes? Is that the only time you slept in the, in the, in the entire journey? Yes. Wow. 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 Okay. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to embrace this for now. Um, and, you know, you just keep moving. And I'm so grateful that I had amazing people come out to support me in those really hard times. Um, you know, my team at Breakthrough came to support me, which was really wonderful. Um, and then back into the morning, started picking up some of our clients again. Um, and the temperature, like the humidity was still 95%, whatever it was. And the temperature had dropped a bit, which was, which was helpful, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but we started picking up kids early on. We actually did one of one of our families um, lost their daughter this past year. She was four. So we did four okay. miles in memory of her for how old she was. And mm. um, her parents came all the way from Westchester to mm. do that with us, which was a really special moment um, to honor her in that way and still have her as part of this really special event. Wow. Um, and then, you know, a lot of our other families met up, but I was at a point of, I just was like, I have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I was so exhausted that I wasn't finding that exhilaration of seeing my families. I was so grateful, but my body was so tired that yeah. I was in the mental thick of it. Yeah. And there's one. And even, even Oh, go ahead, please, please. Oh, yeah, sure. So there's one moment, it was like mile 95, right? And after humidity, what comes rain, right? So yeah. 
it started, it wasn't just drizzling. It started torrential downpouring. Right? I know it. I remember the we day. luckily had the, the rain cover for the kid, whoever I was wheeling in the stroller and all this other stuff. And um, before that, like we didn't have, one of our clients did get caught in the rain. We didn't have the rain cover on him. So one of the dads like swapped with me and I was wheeling his daughter in her stroller and I remember it's just downpouring and I'm, and my friend was with me and she's like, you're almost there though. And I was like, I still can't comprehend how I have five miles left. It felt like, <laughs> it felt like it was another 100 at that really, point. Really, really. Okay. And it's downpouring and I was freezing and I was just so tired. And I was like, why is it raining right now? You know? <laughs> and I remember there was on the stroller, cause it wasn't the stroller I was using. There was a little peephole of the little girl that one of our clients that I was pushing at the time, Emily, and she, I'm pushing her and I'm walking at this point and she is as miserable as I felt in the rain. She was giggling. And I remember her peeking up through that little square with this beautiful smile on her face. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God, they're still teaching me this lesson Yeah, that they are so resilient that they're just still smiling through the thick of the rain, you know, and she was just so joyful. And I was like, this is what this moment is supposed to teach me. And, and the whole journey overall, right? Like you think about, and I'm sure you can relate to this experience being, you know, the father of someone who has special needs is you get part of your journey is like, you just get challenge after challenge and it's just figuring it out and it's challenge. And you know, you know, like you can't plan, you just got to keep facing it. And then just when you think you're in the clear of something and you're just smooth sailing, the storm comes. Right. Mm -hmm. And just when I'm near the end of this race, that storm came. And I just remember thinking how grateful I was for that because it was everything that it was supposed to be. Mm. It turned into this beautiful metaphor for the families of and the reason I was doing it in the first place mm. and represented their journey physically in my 100 miles, represented the life of our families in such a really beautiful way. So holy cow, incredible, incredible. What what was it like when you finished when and people were waiting for you at the finish line? Was it exhilaration? Was it like I need to lie down? What was it like? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure well, you slept. it's funny. I want to hear didn't... how long you slept for after the after Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I was like not really eating anything from heat exhaustion. Okay. I was eating fruit, right? And like you need more than fruit. Somebody, one of my friends like force fed me a Snickers, right? This should be like a <laughs> Snickers commercial. <Because laughs> then I ran the last like four miles of it and pushing our clients. And it was at that point, then I got that exhilaration and I was just screaming the last few miles and we had a screaming. group of people and we had the whole community waiting at the finish line. And I was like invigorated with like a new, a new energy and cross the finish line. It was amazing. I, I stayed on my feet for another two and a half, three hours wow. at, at the party. Cause we had a big event just hanging out with everybody, just hanging out, had a beer, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. It, yeah. it was so amazing. And I didn't sit. And then the second that I was like, I sat, I was like, I'm fading and I, think I need to go home. Um, 
and that shower never felt so good you know oh my gosh oh my gosh what about that i'm always i'm always interested in this aspect like like uh, you talk about the exhaustion a lot or a bunch but like what about the physical pain knees feet toes like back were there were there were you in pain during during the run at all yes but yeah. i think i was well prepared for the pain when you okay. do ultras you just you expect it yeah. right and so when you expect it it almost makes it feel better because you're just like it is what it is and at what at a certain point you know that it's it's not going to get better and yeah. it's and really like you don't really know how it could get worse at that point right right and you're just kind of you just accept it and I feel like in that acceptance when you're when you do it at time after time it doesn't affect you as much so the pain I can't even remember it honestly wow, it wow. exhaustion that I really remember being wow. the biggest challenge it's been a theme on on this show is this idea of um embracing embracing pain mm -hmm. and uh i read a great book over the uh over the summer called do hard things um and one of the things he talks about is that we are and he's a, the guy who wrote it, it's a, a runner one of the things he talks about i, I want to get i think his name is steve magnus but um i could be wrong on that but talks about like for many of us we go to uh considerable lengths to avoid pain and that when there is pain we do uh, almost whatever it takes to alleviate it um and it, that it's human nature um mm -hmm. you know you touch the hot stove it hurts you you don't do that again what you're talking about is something different there's a different mindset there that you know in my very short you know, endurance, uh, athletics, uh, you know, the career, if you want to call it that, like where I've, um, and much, much shorter distances than you, but where I've, it used to be something that I fought against. And now it's something that I understand that this is going to hurt. But how, like, do you remember how you got to that place? Have you always been like that? Have you always done the stuff that's hardest or did you have to train yourself to get to, to get to that place? That's a really good question. I, I think I've just naturally always had a level of grit and I think you yeah. need grit to get through something like that. Right. Yeah. But I think that you, anybody can do something that like this. I truly believe that. I really do believe that, um, limits are really only where we place them. And yeah. when you're in pain, yes, your immediate response is to, to get out of pain. Like yeah. you said, the hot stove, but yeah if you stay in that pain and you dig deeper and you just observe, like you have to come from an observation standpoint of what's happening in your head of you're observing all the thoughts that you're thinking. And you're almost like my body wants to give up, but it's a choice. And yeah. if you just push through that, you come out on the other side with resilience mm. right? and that stays with you the pain doesn't stay that's right but that resilience does and I think that you know back to like relating that to our families or any endurance athlete right like you go through these any challenge in your life that causes pain emotional pain physical pain 
And the more that you sit in it and become curious about it and observe it and where am I wanting to pull away? What's making me feel uncomfortable about this? Yeah. Am I, you know, am I really going to die from running a hundred miles, you know? Right. Um, Cause at times you, some people probably do feel like they're going to, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but if you stay in that and you get curious about what thoughts are happening in your head at that point and become the observer of that, it's really powerful. And you, you find out a lot about yourself that you didn't, and you didn't know before you, you got to that point. Um, and you start to realize you're capable of a lot more than you actually think you are. Uh, how much of it is mental versus physical? Obviously you trained for nine months, which is, you know, a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, not in the grand scheme of things, but to say nine months from now, I'm going to do X thing. And I'm starting my training now that takes a level of discipline that and I'm a pretty disciplined person that that blows me away. Yeah. Uh, I like, you know, I, I don't, I, I was the kid in, in school who would like huge test tomorrow. I'm going to cram tonight. <laughs> um, and so you are uh, the, the nine months is, is amazing to me. How much of it when you're out there is mental versus physical? To me, it's, I feel like it's all mental. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I think there's a level of physical that makes it easier, right? Sure. Like the physical training that nine months made the physical part of it feel better, which is probably why I'm talking about that pain, not really Im impacting me as much during yeah. my endurance run, but the exhaustion, right? Like, why did I want to give up when I was exhausted because of my, my mindset, right? Like, right. I had to, that was all mindset, that entire run and being in tune to my body. So I think, you know, obviously there's a balance. You can't just go out and you have to respect the distance. It's a hundred yeah. miles. You have to put some discipline and hard work into that. Yeah. But the thing that's going to get you to cross that finish line is a hundred percent your mindset and not your legs. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. It's such a good lesson. And I imagine I shouldn't assume this, but I mean, do you feel more prepared for other things in life? Not that you were unprepared before, but after having done that, like giving a big speech now or like, you know, somebody, you know, the tough customer and not that you have tough customers, but like, do you feel just like, like, dude, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> like there's yeah. nothing that, that I, that, I, that, that, that scares me at this point. Is that, have you had a mindset shift in that way? Totally. I think anything you do that's really hard like that, yeah. you gain confidence in yourself because you you made a promise to yourself and you kept it yeah. and you didn't give up. So it's almost like now I have this in my pocket for if I do have that self-doubt the next time I go and move forward to something that I feel nervous about. Yeah. Um, and And once you get to that point, it just keeps expanding, right? You just keep, you're here now and I ran a hundred miles, but now it's like, well, now it's possible. I ran a hundred miles or I opened my own business or I wrote a book or, I, you know, and it's like, yeah. well, what else is possible now? And why do I keep placing limits on, on what I believe is possible? You know? So is there a, is there another, is there another race at longer distance? Is there something coming up that if, even if you haven't signed up for it yet or created it yet, is there something that's on your mind that you, uh, that you might be willing to share? Yeah. I mean, I'm 
like there's just constant wheels turning. <laughs> um, you know, I, I definitely another run is going to happen. Um, but I'm sure have you're, you, I'm sorry. Have you run since then? Have you run since the event, which is a little over a month ago? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm crazy. So <laughs> I, two days later, I was like, I'm ready to run again. But Are you kidding me? Two yeah, days wild, but my cardiovascular system was like, Christine, slow it the fuck down because you're crazy right now. Um, no, I've returned to running and I, two weeks ago, I just, I signed up for a marathon. I'll be running a marathon this weekend. <laughs> this weekend you're running a marathon? Yeah. You know, which I, one is it? Is it, uh, what is it? The, the Hamptons marathon? Is that it's it? the Suffolk one? The Suffolk Hamptons one, one okay. I think is in September, but it's, yeah, it's okay. the, Suffolk, the Suffolk one. I was, I was like, you know what? I feel good. I don't want to lose. I'm in the best shape I've been in. I don't want to lose it. I want to use that hundred miles as a training run. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do I do? Sign up for a marathon. Oh and... my <laughs> so that's where I'll be this weekend. I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> but this is a good this is a good question because I, I ran my first marathon a, a, like eleven months ago, and then I, I signed up for a a half in D.C. Uh, this past March, and I went into it. I was undertrained, which uh, is a bad idea. But I went into it thinking that well, since I ran a marathon, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this thing, and I struggled. And by mile four, I was like, this sucks. I need this to end. And I, <clears throat> I walked a lot. My goal was to do it. I'm, I'm very slow. So you, you'll probably do your whole marathon in this time. But my goal was to do it in less than uh, two hours and 30 minutes. I wound up finishing in 231, uh, but was like gritting my teeth the whole way. There was supposed to be like an after party. A bunch of us were going to go to a restaurant. And I just went, <laughs> I went back. I, I was like, I'm done. Um, is there a part of you that's like, after having done the hundred miles, do you need to take the marathon as seriously as you took that? Or are you just like, nah, I got this. I'm going to, I'm going to smoke this. Um, no, I, I mean, part of me just signed up for it just to see what, what I'm capable of to see if I could yeah. push the pace a little bit and get a new PR. Okay. Cool. Part of me has no expectation of, you know, if my body is like, you're still in recovery, Christine. Why are you doing this? Yeah. I'll accept that too. Okay. But I'm just kind of like, I don't really have, I look at it as I don't really have anything to lose. What am I going to lose? Yeah. Like I'm going to suffer for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I strive in suffering sometimes with that. So that's, so, um, that's amazing. I love that line. What's what do I have to lose? I'm going to suffer for four hours. Like there are, there are people, I mean, the, the show's called the inspiration accelerator on purpose because like, I I've just, I've met so many people who uh, just blew my mind. And I'm like, the world needs to hear about these people. Not that the whole world listens to the show, but, um, <laughs> but like the world needs to, like, but that's such a, that's an incredible, what's, what's the worst thing happen? I'm going to suffer for four hours. Like you've just provided me personally uh, you know, with Philly, with Philly, exactly a month away, like with a really great mindset shift around like, yeah, like what's the worst thing I'm going to suffer for, for me, it's going to be five hours, but you know, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, like I'm going to suffer. So on, I'm going to suffer for five hours. Like, so what, then I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat cheesesteak and, uh, and things exactly. are going to be, things are going to be great. Wow. That is so cool. That is so yeah. cool. What um just uh, and we're we're close to we're close to wrapping up here, but you did something a few months ago that I really wanted to to touch on for a bit. You went out, you went out west. You had this like solo camping trip and like get like get connected to yourself. 
I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to describe it. I want, I want you to describe it, but what was it and, and why'd you do it? Sure. So I was presenting in my first conference out in Seattle. Um, so I was like, oh, mountains out there. I've got to go hike. Um, mm. And this year has been a really big uh, transition year for me. Um, and I got out of an eight year relationship, which Thanks. was like huge. And mm. so I've just been learning a lot about myself. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I love camping and I love hiking. So I'm going to, I'm going to take some time and, and figure out like how to do this by myself. And I went to Mount Rainier, um, and for, you know, four nights I, I was camping by myself and I just (laughs) hit the trails and on the the mountain. Well, no. So I was in, in the park, but I was, so I was just camping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't so, quite like a backpacking, but it was uh, like the solo camping. And then I was going out on the hikes every day. And, and how long would, how long would you hike? Like how, how many miles or how, how long was the, how long was the duration? Probably like 13 to 15 miles, like a day. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow. Um, wow. But there's something about being out in nature, no music, just you. Again, you didn't have any music with you? no. I just okay. utilized my breath and my thoughts to guide me. And it was, it was similar to my endurance running. You know, you just, you, when you're with yourself for that long, yeah. you just learn so much about yourself and nature really grounds you. So, um, you know, being, being able to do something like that. And even if I was a little bit nervous at sometimes, you know, um, it was huge for me. And I learned a lot about myself in in those moments too, where you don't get a lot of opportunities to step outside of your day to day when it's crazy. You know, when I'm here and I'm running the business, it's like crazy, crazy running. You got to go for your run. Then you got to get to the office and you've got to do meetings and you've got to do training and you've got to do all these things. And when you step outside of that, it just grounds you. Wow. Um, so it was just an incredible experience. It's beautiful, incredibly beautiful out there. I don't know if you've been out there. Um, I've been, I've been, to, I've been to uh, the Pacific Northwest a bunch. I've not been to Mount Rainier, but um, I, I still, to this day, I mean, I've, I've, I'm pretty well traveled. The Oregon coast is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. So, yeah. um, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know the exact experience, but I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat aware. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's definitely where my heart is and I will be out there one day, but. Oh, you think so? You're going to move out there? For sure. For sure. Wow. 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 Um, wow. Okay. It's just, you know, being around mountains and nature like that, it's something that, you know, I don't really get here on Long Island very much. Well, you live in the flattest place in the whole world. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll go Not my environment. I'll, I'll go for like an eight mile run and I, you know, I'll look at my time and it's like elevation gain zero. I've got right. zero. Five feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five <laughs> feet at some point. What are, so were you trying to learn like anything in particular about yourself or was just like, you? well, first of all, was the conference before or was it after the four days? Be, it had to have been before. There was no way I would have totally relaxed. <laughs> if Did you it was tell after. people at the conference I'm going on a four day uh, excursion after this or no? No, you know, I brought one of my team members, Monique, with me. So she knew. But, um, you know, the rest, the rest of everybody just I presented and then spent a little time at the conference and then went out on my own and did, did it. Um, you know, I, I didn't go out with any intentions except I don't think it's so much about, you know, what we gain from the, like 
we always are like, oh, well, what can we gain and what can we yeah. learn? But I think a lot of it is what should we be letting go? Mm. Um, mm. And for me, that was letting go. That was letting go of a lot of things I was carrying, emotions I was carrying, thoughts, mm. negative thoughts and patterns I was carrying that you don't realize that you're carrying until you quiet yourself and and get out of the day to day. So wow. I'm really grateful to the, that experience for that. Wow. Oh my gosh. 15, 13 to 15 miles a day alone uh, in the Pacific Northwest on a mountain, no music, just like what's going to come to me. That's incredible. Wow. 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 There's, there are people listening to this right now who are like, this woman's crazy. She's out of her <laughs> damn mind. <laughs> there are people who listen and like, wow, I gotta, I gotta try that. But there's something about just like going for a walk or getting in touch with nature. It's a, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, it's good coaching for me. I, I there's a, a hike that, uh, that, that my friends and I do out here on the Island and I haven't done it in probably over a year. And, and uh, we've done it in like you know, in like February in like a foot of snow and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're in eight layers because it's, you know, two degrees and, and windy. And uh, even something like that, it's 10 miles. You come back, you're like, you're changed, like maybe not radically, but you're changed. Yeah. And there's something else too, I think. And I, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this, on this question, but like, there's something about doing something that other people aren't doing not in a competition way at all but something about like yeah like I know most folks are in bed right now and I'm out here in a foot of snow and it's two degrees and I'm just walking and uh and there's something about coming home after that 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 is just is 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 makes a difference for me do you find that as well with some of your some of the things that you've done yeah, I mean, totally. It It's something that, you know, you like you build resilience in those moments, you build your discipline and you can yeah. you carry that past yeah. that walk that you do, you know, yeah. you, and it does prepare you for things. You know, your nervous system is rewired after doing those hard things right. that people aren't doing That's and right. that you carry with you. So the next time, you know, something happens at the business, I know I could do hard things. You That's know, so I, cool. I know I can get through that, too. Wow. Wow. This was incredible. Thank you so much, Christine. You're incredible. I'm like blown away by the, the stuff that you do. Tell folks how they can find you. Um, the, your children's book. We didn't, we didn't even talk about that. What's the children's book called again? Remind me. It's chance. The therapy dog goes to work. Chance. chance the therapy <laughs> dog goes to work. So tell folks where they can find your books or your social media or anything that you want to, or your, or your, um, um, anything if they could donate to a cause, um, let, let folks know. Sure. So our social, my business social is Breakthrough Intensive PT. Um, personally, it's Christine Astorita. And then our our book is on Amazon. It's a children's book promoting inclusion. Um, and 10% of profits go to a, a nonprofit that we chose. So um, it's Chance the Therapy Dog Goes to Work. And it's all about teaching kids about everybody's everybody's the same. So uh, stay tuned for the second and the sequel, though. That'll be coming soon, too. Very cool. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciated getting to learn from you. I know that the folks listening are, are uh, probably questioning themselves right now, but also really excited um, to get to learn from you as well. And um, I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for having me. Well, my pleasure. Folks, check us out next week. Brand new episode of the Inspiration Accelerator. Until then, have an awesome, awesome week. See ya. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode. Please look out for a new episode with a new guest every week. This was the Inspiration Accelerator with Michael Sonberg.